0: Welcome to the Retirement Clinic with your host, Jeff Kowal, from the Kowal Investment Group, the Retirement Specialists. Good morning and welcome. The Retirement Clinic is live on WISN every Saturday, joined by Jeff Kowal, your host. And in studio today, we have Chauncey Wisencell as well. Now, Chauncey, we hear you Monday through Friday on the Market Updates. Good morning. Good morning, Paul. Welcome back. Jeff Kowal, good morning, sir. Good
1: morning, Paul. How are you guys doing?
0: Fantastic. Great to have you on the show. And Chauncey, I will say this, um, I know we got a lot of topics to get to. You each have things you want to touch base here. And today we've got the sexy segment coming up. The boss minute with Aaron Kowal for business owners, savings and their security. But we also take questions. So the retirement clinic all about retirement. Do you have a question? The academic mortgage talk and text line is open 414-799-1130. The Kowal investment group, the retirement specialist, Jeff, you've been doing those market reports uh, during the Mark Belling show in the afternoon twice for how many years
1: well since 97 so it's 25 years now wow
0: (laughs) no wow is right and the show celebrated its 20th anniversary uh back in september of last year 2021 so now going on 21 years jeff you're going to start the show you've got a few topics you want to touch on well, you know that on uh,
1: Monday through Friday, we, we do the business reports at 3 o'clock and 5 o'clock news blocks right in the middle of the Mark Belling show. Today, we, again, you mentioned open up the phone lines if there's something that keeps you up at night. Um, if you have questions, if you're hesitant about retiring this year uh, or just any questions you have, give us a call. Uh, but let me start with this. This is a, a Market Watch article that I thought was pretty interesting. Uh, the Great Resignation, What to Do About Your 401k. Um, again, MarketWatch investments left in old 401k plans are at high risk of being unmanaged and often cost too much. The article goes on and says a great re- resignation, the big quit, the extraordinary exodus, whatever you call it, four and a half million Americans voluntarily left their jobs last year. Four and a half million, according to current government data, while job openings hover around 10.6 million.
0: Does that mean they retired, Jeff, or are they just? They just, just
1: left. Wow. They left their jobs.
0: That's a lot. Yeah. Now,
1: some moved up to different jobs. Some have not gotten back in the workforce. But they the um, analysis of 4,000 companies identified mid-career professionals as the most prolific quitters. Mid-career prof- So that's not somebody who's retiring. Right. But this says, what will become of the, all those retirement assets once people move on to new opportunities? The likelihood, sooner or later is a spike in what's called stranded assets. That's savings held in company 401k plans that employees leave behind. We talk often about consolidating your assets because those can get lost when you change employers. And a lot of times you, you have the best intention of moving those assets, but you, got the kids, you get the kids settled in school. Uh, Re-establish your new career, just things like that. That a lot of times those old plans get left behind. So millions of old plans languish, costing their owners tens of billion dollars in fees. This article says savers and small company plans, which is most, is what most people have, pay as much as 2.4 percent in total plan costs. It says fees aside, you might think that your old 401k is just fine on autopilot. It almost certainly is not. Investments that made sense in your 20s and 30s are not necessarily a good fit in your 40s and older. Um, Chances are it hasn't been rebalanced. Uh, So the article goes on to say there are three things that you can do. One, you can still leave your money in your old plan. For the most part, they don't restrict it. Some plans say you got to get the money out by the time you're 70. Some don't have a restriction. A second option is to roll your money into your own 401K, which is many times the best option. Or you can leave your money in your new company's plan. Anyway, look at at least that's better than leaving it in the old plan. Uh, But you still, if you move it into a new plan, you're still stuck with limited investment choices and little or no service.
0: Is that a, a common mistake? If that's the right word mistake, Jeff, you leave a job. Um, and you just leave that four hundred one k sitting there. You're not funding it. You're not making any contributions, right? It's not really working for you.
1: Yeah, that's that is a big mistake. The biggest mistake is knowing it's there, just taking it out and spending it. Well, that doesn't help you because then you're paying many times. If once you get control, um, uh, the money's gone. So the, you know, that's why the article says, you know, at least a, at least. A, But the least worst thing you can do is roll it over into a new company's plan. But if you roll it into your own, you get control of the assets. So it's like an abandoned bank account. A 401k to a previous employer is truly out of sight, out of mind. It's money left behind. And with us, we like the idea if you have several previous employers to consolidate it into one account. Make sure you request a rollover, not a distribution. This is what I was saying that sometimes people say, eh, I got a hundred thousand, I'll just take a distribution of that. Well it's not just the taxes. If you're under fifty nine and half, and a half, you're paying a ten percent federal penalty. Three point three three percent state penalty, plus you're paying taxes on that. So let's say it's just thirty percent. You're giving away almost half of your money. Forty three to forty four percent of your money goes in taxes and penalties if you just take that money out. Forty
0: three uh, to forty four percent. That is just mind boggling.
1: Oh yeah, but th- that's why you got to roll. You got to make sure that if you do take it out of the plan that you take it and move it into uh, an IRA or else move it into another qualified plan. So you're not getting creamed in fees. Um, We like the idea of moving it into your own IRA. You have control of that. Um, And I'm going to get into, uh, I think after the break, I'm going to get into 72T, which is if you are under 59 and a half and you did leave work, how do you get money out of those plans without paying penalties? We'll talk about that a little bit later, but at any rate, you have, Uh, You have unlimited investment choices. A lot of times fees can be less and you control it. You control when you take the money out. You don't have to take it out all at one time. So we think that that's, you know, don't leave that plan behind. Don't leave scattered old 401ks at different places. Do something with them.
0: And that is a common thing. I mean, you hear about that all the time, Jeff, right? A good advisor would advise you to do something with that. Um, Over the years on this show, you've talked about multiple times, uh, people just having, what, two, three, four plans maybe?
1: Sure. Uh, They say you change jobs eight times in your lifetime. Remember that? Yep. And I think that that's true. I think people do move that often. Still, uh, better opportunities and people you know, with LinkedIn and every Facebook, you'll run into old employers, old people that you used to work with, and they'll say, come on and work with us, and you're more inclined to move. And you're looking for better benefits, maybe a better 401k and contribution limits, maybe better work environment, but you forget about that old plan that was left behind. I think that's a big mistake.
0: What caused the great resignation? Was it COVID? Was it working at home? Was it a reevaluation of your job because of all of that? Was it all of the above?
1: Yeah, those that's, those are good observations. Uh, reassessment of your job, uh, the fact that you worked from home, that you were spending less money because you weren't going out as much, then maybe I don't need as much money. Um, so I think a lot of people are, are, are reluctant to get into back into the work course because they weren't spending as much money. They accumulated a little bit in savings. That's always dangerous because that savings can go in a hurry with any emergency that comes up. Um uh, yes, yeah, so I think those are the, the biggest reasons probably that people are looking that they save money. They were getting company benefits not to go back to work. Uh, so if you were off of work, there was incentive to, save, incentive to stay out of work and not go back. That's why you see over 10 million jobs open.
0: Yeah, you but know, eventually what? don't you have to get back to work <sighs> at some point?
1: You would think so, but then you might go back part time. What am I missing
0: else? here? I, I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, I'm 56, Wait. and I'm thinking, okay, I'm, I'm, you know, three, four years, like thinking about retirement, Jeff. But, but to think about not working at all, I, I, I guess I'm, I don't get it.
1: It is a huge mistake, and Chauncey might have an opinion on this too, but you miss out on the opportunity to to build for your retirement if you're not working somewhere else, you're not contributing. So I think it's very short-sighted to say, "Eh, I don't need the money now, I'll take a year or two off of work and then go back some other time. But that's compound interest over a lifetime that you're missing out on by not putting money into retirement
0: plans. And Jeff, who knows what the job market's going to be like in a year or two? It you may have trouble finding the job that paid you what your last job is. The first question they're going to ask is, What's the deal with the gap in employment here?
1: Yeah, yeah, you think employers will like
0: that? So I'm not sure. So, why were you sitting around on the couch for two years? Well, I don't know, I had a lot of movies on Netflix to catch up on, <laughs> you know, <laughs> kind of busy golfing. Uh, the yeah, great, that's a high priority, Jeff. You're hitting something here. Uh, if you follow the news at all, you've been seeing this term, the great resignation. And a lot of people might think it's the, the retirement. No, these people, they're not ready They've for careers. retirement.
1: Yeah, mid career leaving the jobs. Some are retiring, some especially as you approach your sixties and some were very hesitant about going back to the work environment because of COVID. That they maybe had other comorbidities, they were afraid you know, and the government helped make you afraid to go back to the work environment. So I think some of them did retire, but a large amount of them are not of retirement age. Mid career. And you would think, that, you know, with the amount of job openings, I think that a lot of people are saying, hey, I can go back anytime. There's 10 million jobs available. Yeah, but you I know what? A-
0: As this pandemic, and, and, and COVID obviously could be with us forever, Jeff. I mean, no, nobody knows, but it seems like a virus that's going to be an annual thing. Different variants pop up. We we are getting back to a sense of normalcy. and I'm sure you've noticed this, right? And just oh, the, the last month, mask mandates are going away. Everything's just kind of disappeared. So jobs are, and people are going to be going back to the office.
1: I think that you have to. And again, the, the the gist of this is to say that if you have old 401ks, don't ignore those. Consolidate those, even either move them into your new 401k or come with us and, and we'll help you roll that into an IRA for yourself. The other thing is that if you, as part of this great resignation, don't resign for good because you're missing out on opportunities to get company matches, to contribute to you for mm. okay, creating wealth for yourself and for your family into the future. So don't be short-sighted about that.
0: Yes. And most employers, I told you what I heart did. I hope I can say this on the air. Uh, not only the matches back and everything, Jeff, but. Extra incentives to keep and retain, not just attract new employees, but employee retention is a big deal. The pet insurance. When I saw that in my benefits plan, I was like, we have pet insurance? That's a new one. Uh, wow. That's obvious. I didn't take it. I did not sign up. Obviously, I love my dog, but, you know, when, when her time is up, her time is up. I'm not paying for a pet insurance. but I, I wouldn't judge, Paul. Don't judge me. Thank you. We, we, and our dog is 10 years old. So, you know, she's a lab and she's getting up there. She's an elderly lab. Uh, but just the fact that it was offered told me they're concerned about retaining employees. Sure. And that means that's a good thing. Uh, this is all good news. So the great resignation. That's a great topic, Jeff. Uh, kind of pivoting and and. Changing gears, Chauncey Wisensell is with us in studio with the Kowal Investment Group. I should have given out your website before, but we'll cover it real quickly. And then we're going to turn to Chauncey for a great topic. Jeff Kowal is here. This is, of course, the Retirement Clinic. TheKowalWay.com. Jeff's website for locations in Waukesha, Port Washington, Racine, Phoenix, Arizona. Check out TheKowalWay.com or call. And, and it's one phone number for all locations, Jeff. 262... 262- yep. 522 4040, 262 522 4040. This show, of course, every Saturday on WISN, live from 10 to 11. Chauncey, what do you got for us?
2: All right. So I found an interesting article uh, in Kiplinger. Um, it's titled The Best and Worst Assets to Leave Your Heirs. Um, some of these are going to apply to almost. Everyone listening, there's six different things here, Um, and the article starts off by talking about over the next 30 years, Americans are going to transfer trillions of dollars to the next generation. Um, Median inheritance in 2019 for children of college-educated parents was about 93,000, and for children whose parents weren't college-educated was about 76,000. So there's lots of money being passed on in the next generation. Uh, Different assets are easier to pass on um, or really kind of Put a value to than others. Um, assets like cash, Roth IRAs, IRAs, life insurance, bank accounts, those are pretty easy to value and you can put beneficiaries on them. They can bypass probate, um, all that good stuff, and they're relatively hassle free. Um, but the article goes on to talk about four of the worst and two of the best assets to leave your heirs. So the first one um, they talk about is guns. Um, guns as inheritance goals can be a giant headache. Right. You can't just necessarily hand them over to someone. Not everybody wants them either, Chauncey. Exactly. Not everyone wants them either. Yeah. Um, you know, you can't just hand them over to someone. They might need permits or licenses. Um, you have to get things registered properly. I,
0: I have learned, uh, my, my dad passed away a little over a year ago, uh, a big hunter,
2: mm-hmm.
0: a lot of guns, right, handguns, yeah. long everything. Call your local police department if you have any questions.
2: Yeah, and Paul jumped ahead of me there. That's oh, in sorry. the article. <laughs> sorry, Chauncey. No, that's a, that's a great, they, they'll come and inventory everything for you. They were of great help to us. They were. Yeah, and that's that's a great thing to do. Is just like Paul just said, call your local police department. They'll inventory it. Um, some of this stuff, um, if it's not uh, legal anymore to transport or, or own, if it wasn't registered properly prior, like short barrel guns, stuff like that. I'll give you
0: one more thing: ammunition, okay, okay. ammo that okay your dad has had for we thought maybe years. Mm-hmm. Is it good? Is it safe? Uh, police department came over, took it. They oh, took it and disposed of it, uh, which was a great relief to my mom. She didn't want this stuff around anymore. <laughs> yeah, and then they do give advice on the guns, so that that is something that people don't often think about.
2: Yeah, it's 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 a great thing to just kind of keep in the back of your mind. If like your dad was a big hunter, um, if someone that's really into that, um, just something to keep in the back of your mind when you're doing a will or estate plan, or if you're talking to the kids about you know what assets you're going to leave behind for them to kind of. The, and split there could up. be
0: quite a significant value to some of these collections as well.
2: Yeah, it, it, 100%. And if you're not working with the right people, or if you don't have a good dealer for someone to talk to, um, it can be just just a big pain. So um, the article does also say if you're looking for a little help, um, Giffords.org, uh, they're a lobbyist in Washington, they have all state gun laws in there, you can go in and search state by state. Kind of find the best way to transfer them um, and make sure everything's registered and everything properly. Give that site out again. Uh, Giffords.com. Got it. Or .org. .org. Giffords.org. Okay, good. That's good advice. Uh, <clears throat> so the next one here is got a thumbs up, uh, good assets to leave behind. Um, this one might not apply to everyone, um, but that could change. Coming up, we'll see with tax laws and stuff like that. But um, it's rapidly depreciating assets. Um the article says, it might seem counterintuitive to leave behind a rapidly depreciating asset, but from an estate, stack, estate tax standpoint, it's a clever move if you're likely to owe estate taxes when you die. Now, currently, that's over $12 million per person, so that's an extremely high number. But that does sunset eventually in 2026, and uh, the current administration would probably like to see that number lower to try to have more people paying estate taxes, generate a little bit more revenue. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> the example they give in the article... Uh, talks about, let's say, uh, if you're going to be in that estate tax, you buy maybe a half million dollar car for someone who'd rather have the car than the cash, right? Or if you know they're going to go off and spend that kind of money on a car, you might as well buy it for them. And if it depreciates over a year or two, maybe instead of inheriting the half a million, they only inherit $400,000 now. Um, So you have depreciation there, um, and it's less estate taxes that your estate can end up owing uh, at the end of that. So again, not going to apply to everyone. Um, so we'll just kind of hit that one quickly. Next one uh, with thumbs down here is timeshares. Um, right? People think about the, the long term contracts for the annual trip, uh, notoriously difficult to get out of, uh, can be kind of a pain. And again, like you said with guns, Paul, not even if you like your timeshare, are your kids or your grandkids going to want the timeshare? Do as they
0: well? want to be saddled with it? You're right. They, they might, they might, they might love it, yeah. they might not. The
2: responsibility, the maintenance, the HOA fees. Exactly. So, um, again, notoriously hard to get out of, right? Um, Your kids can, if they don't want to inherit the timeshare, speak with an attorney and they can do what's called a disclaimer and just kind of disclaim ownership of the contract um, and not really have anything to do with that. But that can be difficult and kind of messy. And some people, the article talks but will actually make the mistake of after the loved one passes away, they'll go go and use the timeshare and then the company sees that as them resuming the contract and taking ownership of that. So you can't even disclaim it at that point. And they kind of they get, they get you on the hook for, for the rest of that contract and paying all those fees. And
0: You gave you know. great advice, Tronti, a minute or two ago. Jeff, I'll, I'll ask you real quickly. You said talk to your attorney, get an estate planning attorney. It's critical, Jeff, and I think you would agree to have uh, the trust up to date, a proper estate plan.
1: Yes, absolutely. We're going to talk a little bit about that because was, in our sexy segment, talk about some squabbling heirs and what <laughs> could have happened. But one of the things that Chauncey meant in, in Arizona, Texas, other places, they have a registered uh, gun trust. So you know, he talked about the trust. But, yeah, absolutely, items like that, you want to try to uh, minimize the fights that your heirs will have about you know who gets the, the crummy investments that are depreciating and who gets the good ones are likely to go up.
0: Yeah. Who, who gets the, I mean, there's little things, right? When yeah. Who gets the rocking share? Mm-hmm. Some of these things have a lot of uh, emotional ties, a sentiment, that kind of thing, yeah. right? Uh, and some stuff, the kids are like, I don't want it, that. I don't, I don't want to deal with that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Dad's gun collection, I have no interest in. Maybe they do. But Jeff, was it you that just, was it about a month ago you talked about the New York uh, state law with guns, transporting guns? Uh, could be. I think it was that gun trust story that you talked about. Could be, yeah. And and when in doubt, again, it goes back to what we said: call your local police department because yes, every state, every state is different. They're
2: all. Yeah,
1: different. they may not let you inherit guns in New York. Is probably notorious for that as well.
0: Yep, that's what it was.
1: They want to confiscate
0: them. <laughs> yeah, they want to take away our guns. Second that's... Amendment. Uh, Kiplingers is a source, uh, and this is a great topic, John, say they want to interrupt you, but I thought it was important to mention the estate plan.
2: No. Yeah. A hundred percent. That's, we always recommend if anyone doesn't have at least a, a will or a trust, some, go meet with an, an attorney. And we we often recommend um, attorneys out to our clients as well if they have nothing in place. So
0: Anything else? We eliminate the, as Jeff said, squabbling errors.
2: Yeah. So again, Jeff's stepping on my toes with the article here. Um, they talk about vacation properties, right? Um, that can be a big one as well. That can be kind of a, a hassle Um, kids you know who's going to pay for the new roof on the house who's going to pay the property taxes who's going to like these little things who's going to cut the grass next weekend at the at the cabin up north or whatever it may be Um, things like that that just can cause a million little headaches and and cause fighting among siblings or grandkids stuff like that you just you just want 100% avoid Um, and the best way to kind of deal with it is just talk to them right just sit down and say you know who really wants the cabin do any of you want the cabin Um, And if no one can come to an agreement, the best thing to do might just be to sell it. Um, You know, you might have some capital gains to deal with and things like that. But it's probably a small price to pay uh, instead of having the kids constantly fighting about this. And that's a great point.
0: Uh, They might want it, too.
2: Yeah. yeah, and they might want it, and who, who's going to buy who out? If someone doesn't uh-huh. want it, what's it worth? It, it can just it can be a big headache.
0: And, and Jeff, it's similar to topics you've done in past about business succession plans too. I I, I know it's different than your house, but businesses are the same way. Uh, passed down generation to generation, does junior Absolutely. really want his dad's business? Maybe he does. Well, maybe he doesn't.
1: Important. Yeah, it's important to discuss it, as Chauncey mentioned. Also important to reduce it to writing. You know, no, they'll know. They'll know how to, divide. no, especially if there's any money or any property or any business involved, you have to reduce it to writing because if there's 10 bucks on the table, it's likely the heirs will be squabbling about it.
0: You know, it's a loving family. Everybody gets along. Let's say three, four kids, mom and dad, and everything was maybe talked about. But if it's not in writing, Jeff, you make a great point. Life Absolutely. changes. People move to other states. Communication. You forget about the conversation. Get it in writing. Okay, let's wrap this up. Troncy, anything else that, from this article?
2: Um, not really. The other one, the last one on there was just valuable collections. Again, talking about guns, some like stamps, baseball cards, stuff like that, just to make sure that your heirs know where they're stored, the value of them. If they need to talk to someone to sell them, good name of a dealer to work with, stuff like just to keep it all simple, nice, people know the value. They're not going to talk to someone who's going to try to take them for a fast one, right? And Yeah, it could be a.
0: Boat. It could be a car. It could be an art collection.
2: Yeah, anything like that. It's just important to make sure you have like a general value or someone you trust for your for your heirs to work with. with
0: yeah, that, so. that's that's good stuff and something that you you need to talk about with your children or children. Jeff, what do you always say? There's a way to approach your parents in a very subtle way, right?
1: Well, I think that a, a good way to do is to say, "I just updated my estate plan, went through my documents. Uh, have you done yours? Have you made provisions for yours for your uh, uh health, your finances, everything else should something happen
0: yeah that, that I is... did
1: mine. Have you looked at yours lately
2: that it's as simple and, as that. Very simple. Yeah.
0: And and it's not, you know, it shouldn't be a, a disagreement, an argument. It should be a nice conversation. That is a good good way to start it, Jeff. We'll take a break. It looks like we've got some questions coming in. We'll get to those with Jeff Kowal on the Retirement Clinic. Chauncey Wisensell joining us as well. The market updates Monday through Friday, done by the Kowal Investment Group, the Retirement Specialists. Then we get this full hour on Saturdays, the Retirement Clinic. We've got Aaron Kowal joining us with the Boss Minute today. That's coming up. In just a few minutes, and then we'll get right back to it. The sexy segment right around the corner as well. Check out thekowalway.com for more information.
3: Welcome back to The Retirement Clinic on WISN. I'm Aaron Kowal with The Boss Minute. Business owners, savings and security. It's about owning your retirement, not just your business. Selling small business is complex. In order to ensure you are fully prepared and ready to sell your business, you should do these eight things before you list and sell. Determine the fair market value of your business to ensure your asking price is within a justifiable range. Two, enlist a team of professionals to help you through the transaction. You'll need legal, tax, and business advice to ensure the sale goes as smoothly as possible. Three, consider the right deal structure. Traditionally, there are four types of deals. Cash up front, SBA financing, seller financing, or some type of earnout. This is where the help of a business broker comes in. They can help you determine the right structure. Four, make sure your financials are in order. You'll want to show revenue, cost of goods, payroll hours, operating expenses, and net profits. Five, get your documents in order. After you've accepted a buyer's offer, the buyer will request specific documents for due diligence. Your CPA or business broker can help you with a list of standard documents requested so you can be prepared before you sell. Six, if you've been co mingling personal and business expenses, stop. Aside from legal concerns of mixing the two, it causes all sorts of problems for your business valuation. Seven, keep things confidential. Selling your business is not like selling your home. It should remain confidential throughout the entire process. And eight, get a proper offer in writing. This is much more than a letter of intent. You'll need a purchase agreement outlining the price, terms, due diligence period, documents, contingencies, and closing date, just to name a few points. Rely on your legal team to draft and review all documents. With these steps and the right team in place, you will help put your business in the best position to sell. If you need help with the sale of your business, give our office a call today at 262-522-4040 or visit com.
0: Aaron Kowal with the Boss Minute for Business Owners Savings and Security. As important, Jeff Kowal, as uh, your individual 401k. I mean, business owners sometimes look at their business, Jeff, as a retirement plan, right?
1: Absolutely. And I'm going to ask Alyssa uh, if she can put those uh, eight tips up on our website. So that, those those are good tips. If you look at the fair market value all the way down to putting it in writing, yeah, there is a process you have to go through to sell it, to sell your business. A lot of the clients that we work with convert their business into lifelong income. So uh, if you spend a lifetime building up to the value of your business, work with us once you've reached that point where you need to start considering selling it.
0: Good way to reach out to the Cowell Investment Group. Well, there's a couple of ways. You can call 262 522 4040. Or just visit thekowalway.com, world headquarters in Waukesha, Port Washington office up in Ozaukee County, beautiful, right on Lake Michigan, Phoenix, Arizona. And the latest uh, is in Racine, right off the freeway at Highway 20, thekowalway.com. we got some calls and questions to get to. We've got the sexy segment coming up about wealth management and preservation. Uh, Let's go to Wauwatosa and talk to Al. Good morning. Hey, hey, Al. Good morning,
3: everybody. So my question is, you're talking about estates and whatnot. Um, there's a concept of step-up basis upon death. What assets does that apply to?
1: Good question. Step-up and basis applies to the, um, for the most part, forgiveness of taxes on assets that have highly appreciated. Let's say you bought a stock for $10 a share yourself now while you're living for $100 a share. You have to pay taxes on that $90 a share on that gain. When you pass away, the appreciated asset goes up to $100. So you wipe out all the gain on that, and whoever inherits it gets it at the $100 a share, not at $10 a share. So the tax on that, for the most part, is all is wiped out. Any appreciable so, assets, for the most part, applies to that. What does not so, apply are things like – oh, go ahead. Ask a question, now. Uh,
3: okay. Maybe I'm pre-supposing uh, your, your, your next uh, comment – does that apply to real estate, like homes, or the cabin up north, or stamp collections, et it, it
1: does. It, now you have to. You're asking about collectibles and other things, which may be harder to value. So those you might get into a a, a squabble with the IRS on. So if it's easy to value the the things that are easy enough to value, uh, will apply uh homes, there or maybe some limits on that you have to be careful with that um but and you have to be careful with IRAs and 401k's those do Don't not get a questions. step up in yeah, they do not get a step-up in basis. So if you put in $250,000 into your 401k, and it's worth a million dollars. The government allowed you to c- accumulate, allowed you quote, unquote, to accumulate <laughs> that tax deferred. So you weren't paying taxes on it all the while. So now they eventually, somebody's gonna have to pay the taxes on that. So IRAs and 401ks don't apply to that, but most other properties do.
3: Okay, well the 401k and the IRA was the real
1: gist of my question yeah you, you you inherit those now there are some benefits there there is a ten year stretch that you don't have to pay the taxes all at once. you can stretch it out over ten years uh, mm-hmm. so there are still some benefits, but you have to talk to somebody like us that can help you walk walk you through that if that does occur
3: but it it basically is focusing on securities like stocks and whatnot
1: yeah. Yep. Those types of things that are easy enough to value. Again, the the collectibles might be a little bit harder to value. There probably still would be a a step up in basis on that. Just a little bit harder to value.
0: Al, thank you so much for the phone call. I I do appreciate the question. And again, off the air, anybody that wants to talk about this stuff or have questions or wants to talk to an advisor, the Okay, Jeff, your turn. You've got some other topics.
1: Well, there's, there are big changes for 72 T. We talked about the great resignation where people are leaving their jobs early and sometimes mid-career. Well, sometimes you might have to take money out of your retirement plans, but if you take money out of your retirement plans before you're 59 half, there's a 10% federal penalty and a 3.33% state of Wisconsin penalty. So that's where you get back to unless you exercise what's called 72T. 72, and you got to wait to the very end of this article to see what the big change is. 72T says that you could take, if you're under 59 and a half, you can avoid the penalties if you take out what's called substantially equal periodic payments. And you have to do it for five years. So the downsize, you have to do it for five years or to 59 and a half, whichever is later. Let me give you an example. Somebody leaves their job at 45, had uh, half a million dollars in their retirement plan, and said, oops, I need some money. You could take money out of there. If you do, you have to pay t- the penalties unless you say, okay, I'll take 3% and there's a, there's a guideline for this. Take 3% out per year. You do it till from 45 to 59 and a half. So once you start, you can't change it. Once you start taking money out. If you're 57, as an example, and retire, it's five years. So it's five years or 59 and a half. So if you start at 57, you have to continue that till you're age 62. So that's the big difference. You can get around it, but there are some restrictions on it that you have to take it out for five years or 59 and a half the big change is that the the government allowed an interest rate that you could take out and you can't just say i'm going to take out 10% or i'm going to take out 1% there is a there are restrictions on that and it used to be that the the government would allow this is a little bit technical, but bear with me for a second. They'd allow 120% at a federal midterm rate, which means you could take out, and then the rates, interest rates are low. So that means the rate you could value your, your 401k at for withdrawal, or IRA for withdrawal purposes is about 1.69%. So they say, well, I can't live on that. Well, the government recognized that. On January 18th, so this is just brand new, they said that under 72T, you could use the interest rate as high as 5%. If it goes above that, then you can use the 120% rate. So what does that mean? So if you have a million dollars in your retirement plan and you want to take money out, instead of taking out $16,000, you can take out 5%, you can take out $50,000 a year. That means you can take out $50,000 a year for five years. Or to fifty nine and a half, whichever is later. That's a huge change because most people wouldn't be able to live on sixteen thousand five hundred. Mm. But if you had fifty thousand, yeah maybe I can make it and hold out a little bit longer mm. before I get my butt back to work. <laughs> <laughs> so but that's the biggest change. The big change now is that they change that interest rate at the end of that. But there are different methods to calculate how much you can take out, and you have to be careful. And again, if you if you left your job with a great um, uh, re- resignation, and you need some income from your retirement plan, you could do it, but you have to follow the IRS guidelines.
0: That's good stuff, Jeff. For those that tune in later, missed the beginning of the show. We opened with the great resignation. Yeah, just give us the numbers again. These people are not retiring; they just stopped working. It was over four million, right?
1: Four and a half million to quit, yeah, and a lot of them were mid-level people, uh, or middle of their careers, not at the end of their career. So that's why the seventy-two T plays a big part in that. Because if you reside, if you left your job, and now you realize, oh no, I need some income this is a way to get money out without paying penalties.
0: That is good stuff, Jeff. We'll be right back. The sexy segment coming up next with Chauncey Wisencell and Jeff Kowal. It is WISN's retirement clinic. You can reach out the Cowalway.com or call them at 262-522-4040. This is WISN. Okay, it's time. The Sexy Segment. That music tells us. Jeff Kowal, we're back on the Retirement Clinic. It's time to talk about wealth management and preservation. Chauncey Cell in studio from the Kowal Investment Group. Jeff, what do you got for us today?
1: This is an interesting one, Paul. Uh, this show is for everybody. This particular segment is a wealth management segment for those with a million dollars or more. Once you've accumulated a million, two million, five million, ten million dollars or more, the objective then is to preserve it. Grow it, take income from it, and pass it on to your heirs. That's what this uh, uh, segment is about. This particular one, Paul and Chauncey, is a Wall Street Journal article. It's 12 pages. It's a long article. I'm going to condense it into four minutes. Oh, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Or can speed
0: read. I have, no, no, no!
1: Squabbling heirs rock former Texas governor's ranching empire. Paul, you a lot of times you like these horror stories. I love uh, them. <laughs> where things gone bad? Yep. Well, the late Dolph Briscoe Jr., once known as the state's largest individual landowner in Texas, thought he had insured his legacy. He didn't account for bad blood and tragedy. This is in the full family photograph taken in 1958. Future Texas Governor Dolph Briscoe was wearing a starched white cowboy shirt, pictured with his wife and three young kids in front of a wooden ranch house, surrounded by the Briscoe land. The governor was known as Big Daddy. Was determined to keep his roughly 600,000 acres in the family long after his death. Uh, his He died in 2010, and he expressly wished that his three kids would share the land equally and use it primarily for ranching. ranching. Okay, great plan. His plan succeeded, but only for a time. Now, in ways even Big Daddy wasn't able to control, the ranching business at the heart of their fortune for nearly a century is tearing the family apart. Oldest daughter died of cancer in 2018, leaving no heirs and only her only child Kate died by a gunshot wound a decade earlier.
0: Oh, see, I don't like these stories. It's horrible. I know
1: the 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 uh, surviving siblings, um, Gale, Seal, Briscoe, Carpenter, Dolph Briscoe, known as Chips Chip, are fighting in court out on, about how to divide. The, the other sisters portion yeah. the outcome will, will determine who gets control over an estimated billion dollars of assets wow. and will shape the ranching and, and legacy see that's the problem you can you you can reduce it all to writing you can have the best plan but then these tragedies occur things happen then what happened is that they that one of the brothers talked a sister into um giving up some of the the the, uh uh, some of her rights uh she was going under cancer treatment uh, in 2014 she became disoriented and highly regretful as the chemo caused a severe form of cognitive impairment known as chemo brain so what happened is that she signed off on a portion of her estate and mistakenly because of this condition. And that's what the whole fight is about, that her giving up some of her property, so they had it perfectly executed, wills, trust, everything was in order, but the oldest son is fighting for control of the ranching business. He wants his four daughters to have a connection to the family legacy, the governor, the the wealth they've accumulated. And he said, I never thought that this would end up in court. And it is, so they're gonna have to sort through all this stuff. The, the case is expected to go to trial later this year, but regardless of the outcome, both sides acknowledge it'd be difficult to repair the relationships. Oh, no kidding. Both family members and business partners. The,
0: the damage is done. That, this is just tragic. Um, oh, yeah. And so much money at stake, too. This isn't just, you know, um, not to belittle $100,000 estate or something, but the billion dollars, Jeff.
1: With more money you have, and I'm not sure that that if it's small or if it's large, but his wish was to keep the family harmony. It was to make sure everything got got divided evenly, but then tragedy occurs and then the fighting starts. His wish was not granted, right? Yeah. The bottom line here, Paul, and I know we have a little bit of time constraints, but the bottom line here is three things. One, you can't always rule from the grave. You could have the best plans in place but things happen in life and you know to avoid that you do the best you can but you can't always rule from the grave second is review and update your wills and trusts things change needs change health changes a lot of things occur so you got to review those on a periodic basis three is that people will fight over the smallest amounts you know you, you can love each other and we've seen it in larger states and smaller states that if it's not specifically in writing there's likely to be fights. Reduce it to writing as much as possible.
0: Yeah, it's uh we said that now two or three times in the show. I hope people uh if nothing else learn from this story. Yeah. Uh, to get things done in writing, have your affairs in order, the estate plan, all of that stuff. Jeff, that was good. That that You know you learn from these <laughs> stories. It was a tragic story, but
1: oh, absolutely,
0: hopefully yes. uh, people can learn from it. Jeff, we'll come right back on The Retirement Clinic. How do you reach out to the Kowal Investment Group? Where are they located? All of that good stuff. Coming up with Chauncey Wisensell with Jeff Kowal, I'm Paul Kronforce. This is WISN. Back on WISN, Jeff's story intrigued me so much. I just did a search. A heirs fight over Big Daddy's $1 billion fortune, Jeff. The children squabble over his ranch, the largest in the state of Wisconsin. After one daughter died and her sole heir was mysteriously killed with a shotgun. Till you told me the story, I had not heard of it, Jeff. Yeah you can learn tragedy
1: yeah but yeah again uh, most estates won't have to face that type of tragedy but tragedy does occur you can plan as best you can but uh yeah make sure that you pay attention to that Uh, with the co investment group we do address the estate planning we do address taxes and If you have $750,000 or more, close to already in retirement, if you have a million, two million, five million dollars or more, come on and see us at thekowallway.com or uh, 262 522 4040.
0: Yeah, and remember to tune in Monday through Friday as well for those market updates, including Chauncey Wiesensell, who has been a part of today's show. Thank you, Chauncey. Great show.
2: Pleasure to be here.
0: Great information. Uh, Monday through Friday, those reports during the Mark Belling Show 3 o'clock news block, 5 o'clock news as well, with locations in. Waukesha, Port Washington, Racine, and Phoenix. Check out Kowalway.com. Jeff Kowal, thank you so much for a great show.
1: A lot of fun. Thank you, Paul.
0: And enjoy your weekend as well. The Retirement Clinic will be back next Saturday on WISN Milwaukee.